Welcome to Tucker Talks, where your host Mel Tucker goes all in. From music to moguls, culture to cuisine, and ball, ball, ball. And now, Renaissance man and overall good guy, Michigan State head football coach Mel Tucker. Welcome to Tucker Talks. I'm Mel Tucker, and we're talking via video chat with former NBA star and social media influencer Rex Chapman. My guy Rex, man. Thanks for coming on, bro. Thanks for having me, man. Are you excited or what? Man, I'm super excited, man. And I just want to, if you could just let me reminisce for just a couple minutes, man, to start, you know. <laughs> so I'm a Cleveland, Ohio guy, right? Every year I play, I play football and basketball for my high school, Cleveland Heights High School. And every year we would go to five-star basketball camp, Coriopolis, Pennsylvania, Robert Morris College, right? Yeah. And I can remember going there and, and they had a counselor games at night. I remember like, man, who is this white dude just <laughs> like touching the top of the square on the backboard? And I'm like, everybody's like, man, that's that's Rex Chapman. We like, what? And, oh and, man. And that's what it started, man. And you you that's remember crazy. those you remember those you remember those camp days, bro? Absolutely. You know, I, I went to five star my, I guess, going into my senior year, I got MVP. Um, and then the next year I played freshman ball at yeah, Kentucky yeah. and a good friend of mine, Ramil Robinson, Ramil who I Robinson. know you know, yeah. yeah, went to, went to that other school in Michigan. The other school. <laughs> um, but he, we were good buddies yeah. and uh, we decided we would go back the next summer for Garf and be counselors. And I guess you guys were there. I think Christian Leitner and Grant Hill, you yep. know who else was there? You know who else was there? It was Michael Rappaport. You know, Mike Rappaport, yeah. the, the actor. He, he was, was there? on my team. Really? Yeah, he was terrible, <laughs> terrible. And tell him I said it right now. I hope he's watching. For, wow. for, yeah, for a basketball player, he was a pretty good actor. That wow. that's about it. But uh, yeah, man, those those games and most of those games were played outdoors back then. You know, yep. we played a lot of stuff out outside. But yep. yeah, I remember those counselor games too. Those those were fun, man. Yeah, a lot of fun. I loved. I I was on a a three on three. Uh, we had the three on three tournaments there every year, and I and I was on a team with Grant Hill, and we nice. we won a thing. Obviously, no I, way. I never, yeah, I never, I never touched the ball, right? I never touched the ball. I'm standing in the corner watching Grant Hill the whole time. And so the other, the team we were playing had Brian Reese on there. It played in North Carolina. Yeah. So yeah. after the game, we went after the game. Uh, Grant Hill comes to me and said, "Hey man, I'm sorry. You know, I just, you know, I just had to get back. At, you know, I'm sorry I didn't pass the ball. I'm like, hey, I'm, yeah, I'm, we, we won. I'm good. Absolutely. You know, what's crazy about that is that Grant was it. Grant and I are good buddies to this day. Uh, we worked together at NBA TV some, yeah. um, but he was a few years behind me. So I would have been, you know, maybe 19 at the time when he was 15. Yeah. And so what was crazy was, uh, you know, seeing him four years later at Duke and wow. seeing what he what he turned into yeah. and then what he was yet to turn into because yeah. he was going to get even better than that. Yeah, just it's just you just look back and it's just so many, so many great memories, so many great players. I remember Billy Owens was there. I remember I think Harvey, Harvey Grant was there. Yeah. You know, all those guys. And I just never forget, man, just going up and down those hills, man, at Robert Morris, man. You go back. Then after you when you leave camp, you go back home, you jump out the gym big time. No question about it. Your legs are, are from from bouncing around on concrete for days. Uh, your legs are good and good and ready to go. Wow, man, I, I, 
I appreciate you letting me go back a little bit, man. Oh, I'm, shoot. I'm so proud of you, man. I've been because I've been following you. You know, obviously I went the football route, you know, you basketball, yep. but I always kept an eye on you. And I remember Thank I remember you. seeing you on at Kentucky and I'm and I remember watching the draft. I'm like, man, that's that's the that's Rex Chapman. That's the say that's King. <laughs> then I see the poster with King Rex. I'm like, okay, that's my guy. You know, so I, yeah. I followed you all the way through, man, and you had a heck of a uh, NBA career. And then I appreciate it. I remember seeing you in a in a dunk contest. I think was Dominique in there and, and yeah. Sean yep. Kemp made uh, some other cats. Uh-huh. They wanted me to do the dunk contest right away. And I was like, nah, I want to be an all-star before I go to the dunk contest. Right. You know? And that was kind of the mindset back then. So I didn't do it my first year, but they basically made me do it the second year. It yeah. was in Miami. And uh, Dominique won that one. Uh, Sean Kemp, Sean and I were Sean and I were supposed to play at Kentucky together. That oh. didn't work out. But, yeah, yeah. Um, he was behind me a couple years. But mm-hmm. I left, and then he – came to Kentucky and left, but Sean was in that. Uh, and then I was in it the next year mm. when uh, D Brown won it. Come on. <laughs> I, with the pump them up things on his, on his shoes. I still, I see him once a year and I'm like, Hey man, how's my trophy doing? Are you keeping it shine? <laughs> oh, that's great, man. That's great. Hey, was it, hey, was the NBA what you thought it would be, man? I know you, I mean, you, Big time player, and that was it had to be a goal of yours growing up. But was that was it everything that you thought it would be? You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, why my dad was a basketball player and then a basketball coach. Yeah. And when I when I left college, also I didn't dream about playing in the NBA. We didn't have an eight NBA team in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It was just Kentucky basketball, Louisville basketball. Yeah. The first the first NBA game I ever saw, I played in. Mm. So I, I didn't wow. really grow up. I didn't even know you made money playing. I was just kind of, you know, I just, really, I just wanted to get a scholarship because I always heard my mom and dad talking about how, how expensive college sure. was. And, you know, it was me and my younger sister. Yep. So I, I just wanted to take that off of their plate. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I just uh, life is weird, man. I, I, I really just wanted to play basketball. Yeah. And then when I got when I got to the to the NBA, College was not, I guess what I was going to say is my dad had prepared me to go to college and mm-hmm. like, hey, man, look, you can't start for them. They, you, you're a high school kid. And he coached a college, D2 college yep, team yep. at the time. I would, I would come home after games, high school games sometimes, and he'd be like, you're going to Kentucky? You couldn't start for me. You know, yeah. So I was perfectly yeah. wired to believe that I had not when I got to campus that I had a lot to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that really helped me a lot mm-hmm. because I think people expected that I was going to play, but man, this was Kentucky in the eighties. We had juniors and seniors on our team who could really play. Yeah. I mean, that's when guys stayed in school four years. Yeah. So um, college, the actual playing part of college seemed to be uh, easier than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, for every freshman, when you come in there, I said the basketball playing part, the conditioning, the schoolwork, the tutors, the dieting, the, the yeah. you know, and, and a lot of stuff you guys have today that we didn't have. Yeah. That stuff's hard, man. Yeah, and especially especially when you go to a place like yours to play football or a place mm-hmm. like Kentucky to play basketball or yours to play basketball. Yeah. You don't realize, you know, yeah. when you're growing up and you're putting in all the reps out on the field or yeah. on the court or all that, you don't realize that the media and some of that stuff, that's part of this. Big you better learn. It. You better learn how to 
how to handle criticism yep. the right way and still be able to a- answer somebody's questions because yep. believe this, the locker room, especially professionally, mm-hmm. that's no place for sensitive people. That's right. You can't, you can't be sensitive. You got to be humble about, and when you step on a college campus, be humble about the things you don't know. Yeah. Ask questions. That's and right. Cause then, then, then once you've been told, yeah, okay, it can be a, you, but you're learn you're there to learn. That's right. And, uh, you can't skip steps, and especially in your sport, you cannot skip steps. I mean, it's a it's a real game. <laughs> it's a real game. It is a real game. Who was your coach mm-hmm. at Kentucky? Were you with Patino? Or? No, uh, I was with Eddie Sutton. Oh. Eddie was here. Uh huh. He was legend. here. My t- yeah, Eddie just passed away about three or four weeks ago. Made it into the Hall of Fame yeah. uh, this last time, so I'm happy about that. But I played for Eddie my two years mm-hmm. at Kentucky. Uh, I left after my sophomore year. Yeah. We were probably going on probation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe, probably, maybe. maybe. That's Who really knows? why. That's really why Sean Kemp and I didn't play together in Kentucky. Uh, but yeah, we were probably going. We were going on probation. So um, uh, that's hilarious. I, you know, you know, and honestly, I think back. I was the youngest player. My rookie year I was the youngest player in the league 19 Mm -hmm. uh, turning 20 and Kareem was the oldest player at 41 and he played against my dad back in the day but I'm just saying it it, it's a I was I was young physically at that point Mm -hmm. I was ready yeah socially emotionally all of that stuff it was really difficult because I'd always I'd I'd gone from you know, being at home as a senior in high school, mm-hmm. having Santa Claus and Christmas to really a year and a half later being in an NBA locker room where at that time guys came in at halftime with smoke cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> that was back in the day, guys were drinking, back in the day. drinking a beer or smoking yeah, a uh, drinking, That's right. Smoking a that's cigarette right. at halftime. So, yeah. So it was just a big sort of whirlwind. And, you know, you want things to happen. Well, you, you work for them and you want things to happen, but I would just caution everybody out there that's talented and all of that. That's only part of it. Yeah. Um, yep. You got to be ready. You got to be ready when you take your shot. A lot of times, if you're not, that shot's not going to, you know, you better be really good. You better be really good yeah. for them to wait on you. Cause uh, once, once you make it to the next level mm-hmm. after college, you know, yep. It's a man's game. It's a a man's world. You know, yes, it's a job. And, you know, really what you guys are doing, we've been knowing this for years and years. You know, when you go to school and play at a, at a level like what you guys are, you know, here at Kentucky, Hey, there's a lot of job qualities that that go along with that too. I mean, a lot of responsibility, a lot of responsibility, a lot of responsibility, you know, and, and the one thing you do find out really quick, I remember because I was in town and every everything was about me, it seemed like, when I was here, Rexington and all of that stuff. What you realize very quickly, I left school, went playing NBA. Guess what? They still had Kentucky basketball here the next year. Just it keeps goes going. on without you. It without just keeps going, brother. Keeps rolling. And it, so it's a privilege to be where you are. Yeah. It's not your right. It's a privilege. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's interesting you should say that because I always talk to, to, to my players about the NFL. I didn't play in the NFL, but I coached for 10 years in the NFL. And I tell them, I said, it's not exactly what you think it is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, and you try to talk them through it and try to get them to realize, say, listen, let, let, let's help, let's prepare now. 
let's prepare now academically. Let's prepare now, you know, socially and just learning how to be organized and prioritize and take care of your body and all those things. So when you so when you do go, get to the NFL, if you do get that opportunity, then you got a chance to stay. You got a chance to right. be successful. And because it is just such it's just so different than what people really think. It's really tough, man. It's a it's a rough yeah. deal, especially for the the young guys coming into the league. They get a little money. They're you know they they don't have to go to class, mm-hmm. and you know and they're trying to keep up with the vet sometimes. And, That's right. And the next thing you know, you know, boom. But I mean, you stayed in the league. You were like twelve years, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I was twelve years. And I again, our 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 league is different than yours. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's a small smaller window for for you guys. Uh, the sport that you pl- play is. Mm-hmm incredible also uh you know hey <laughs> you guys are playing high school you're playing college and then continue maybe continuing to play on that's a lot of wear and tear uh um, yeah. people i think people don't understand really a how good guys are that's right you know how, how good and how big and how fast they are at mm-hmm. the next level it's all you know size to skill ratio sure but man you you run into freaks at the next level and freak freaks every single night that's right. And so you got you got to be ready uh, when you get your shot. Yeah. What coach you think had the, the most impact on you? I know you're you're a coach's kid and and mm-hmm. so you grew up with, with it. It was in your blood. But with college or pro ball is usually a coach or two that really kind of had a real impact on you. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, you're we're all, I think, products of, you know, what kind of leadership we've been around in our lifetime. Yeah, you know whether it's a, a lax leadership or a strong leadership, mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff shakes itself out. You end up, you know, kind of coming up how you were brought up, and um, right. so, you know, I, my dad obviously mm-hmm. was a big influence. Um, I hated when he would come to watch me play. You know, there, <laughs> I I should go into some more of that, but he he was a big influence. Mm-hmm. And then Eddie Sutton, of course, mm-hmm. I, I played two years of college and. Eddie was a defensive coach and had I not had two years of defensive principles drilled into me every day where I knew what I was doing by the time I got to the NBA, I I was lost for the first month anyway, Mm -hmm. when I got into the NBA. Sure. But had I not known, you know, techniques right and, and and really learn how to play zone and man and, and I I don't know that I could have, uh, I could have survived. So him and then, at the NBA level, Wes Unseld had a very mm. profound effect on me as a person. He yeah. taught me a lot about life. Uh, just passed away again in the last month, um, but just a genuine, genuine guy, Hall of Famer. And then uh, Pat Riley. Mm. I played with Pat. Pat went to Kentucky here at UK, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd known of him and played against his teams my whole career. But then I went to, I got traded there mm-hmm. uh, from Washington to Miami. I played, it was Pat's first year in Miami. Mm-hmm. And I had played on bad teams, hadn't made the playoffs in seven previous years. And we sneaked into the playoffs, 41 and 41, my first year down there. And then we we drew Michael and them, of course, in the first round. And they, they beat us like a JV team in three games straight. <laughs> but... I'll tell you what I learned down there. And I tell this to a lot of, a lot of young people, a lot of players, when you leave college and and even if you're working in the private sector or or you're not going on and playing sports, you can make money, 
and not be a professional. That's right. I was a pro. I was making money, but I didn't learn how to be professional, mm. really, until I got to play with Pat Riley and saw what he expected every day. I had good vets on the team, yeah. other good vets by that time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and just the one thing I learned, too, you can't skip step skip steps That's and right. if you if you look you see pat pat and them they have a way of doing things mm -hmm. and either you go there and you buy in mm -hmm. or you don't play yeah and so it, it you know everything starts with pat and the ownership mm -hmm. they're on the same page yeah. and then the coach yeah. is on the same page yeah. so everybody's working toward the same goal mm -hmm. it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing what they have in miami and i i would I would ask, you know, all the young, young people out there to kind of look around the league, see how many of those those franchises stay at this level yeah. for a long time. And you can go. It's a short list. I mean, yeah. the Spurs are up there right sure. now. Sure. Um, the Jazz have kind of been there over the years, yeah. but it's a short list. It's tough. I've, yeah. I've read that Pat Riley's practices were brutal. Like he's a big deal on practice. And whether you were a rookie or a vet, you were going to get out there and oh, get yeah. that work in. Was it was no practice like that? No question about it. He he got a little bit better. Like he he would get you know a little more lenient as the season wore mm -hmm. on. And over his career, he he did start to cut back. Mm -hmm. But man, yeah, when I was down there, it was it was uh, it was for real. Um, <laughs> and they had they have a and they every franchise should have it, but they have a ten percent body fat rule in Miami, and you got to be under ten percent. <laughs> Guards got to be under like eight. Big men got to be under 10. And I'm going to tell this story anyway, because uh, Stacy King, I don't know if you remember. Stacey I do King. remember Stacy King. And St Stacy <laughs> fluctuated with his weight, man, all the time. Even when he was in college, he was always kind of. So Stacy had come to Miami over the summer. And and the rule was you don't play. You don't play not even a minute until in preseason and anything Period. until you get under under that percentage. So <laughs> last preseason game. And Stacy is trying to get into shape. He's been trying to get in shape. He gets into shape. He gets to 10%. He's playing the game. He goes up in the game, comes down, and messes his ankle up. Sprain. Bad sprain. Bad ankle sprain. And uh, I left that night. He had a boot on. He was walking out of the thing. I came in the next morning, and Pat had him on the bicycle already, <laughs> already with his foot, his boot, boot taped to the bicycle. <laughs> That's what I'm they, talking about. They, they brought his meals to him all day long while he was sitting on the bicycle. <laughs> hey, man, it takes what it takes, man. It does. It does, man. He said it's not broken. You let tape that thing up. <laughs> oh, man, that's a great story, man. Yeah, that is that's hilarious, bro. That's hilarious. You know, there are some guys that, that, I, that I've coached that I know that are going to go into coaching when they're done playing or I know they're going to go into personnel or scouting. And so you took that path. I mean, you, you, you went into the front office, you went into scouting and is that something that you, that you wanted to do or did you just kind of fall into it? Or I think I just kind of fell into it. I, I wasn't looking, you know, they start telling you, start preparing for life after sports. They start telling us that when we're 17, 18, that's right. You know, and the longer you go, I'm telling you, I sat in every one of those meetings mm -hmm. and I just thought I'm going to play golf and and chase my kids around and that's all I'm going to do. No, yeah. you got to have focus. You got to have some direction and you got to continue to 
be goal, I think, goal oriented, yeah. especially when you've been in sports your whole life. Yeah. So it wasn't what I, I'll say this, though. Uh, a lot of us who go to big time programs like the one that you're at, uh, everybody asks you, well, you're going to go to the pros. Yeah. He's going to the pros. He's yeah. going to the pros. My opinion is if you're at Michigan State, you've already hit the lottery, man. You've hit the lottery. And so now here's what you got to do. But yeah, you got to try to stay healthy and get yeah. through and all that. And yeah, maybe you can do that from a personal standpoint. Mm -hmm. All the guys that I played with here at, at Kentucky in my time, uh, the guys before and after me, a lot of those guys didn't make it to the NBA. A lot, most of them did not. Right. The, the only guys who have struggled really with life after college mm -hmm. are the guys who don't get their degree. And I'm not here to preach on that because I didn't, I don't have my degree. Sure, sure. But had I had it a few years ago mm -hmm. when I wasn't, I was still kind of building back up and we can talk yeah. some more about that. But had I had that, mm -hmm. my road back would have been easier. Make a lot and easier. Yeah. It would make it a lot easier. And so the, really the only way you fail, you know, after getting a scholarship, going to a, uh, a university is just not taking advantage of that that education because yeah. that education is it's, it's i mean you've hit the lottery if you've got gotten the opportunity to go go to your school and and get your uh education paid for you've already hit the lottery to a degree yeah no doubt i mean that that life after whatever you know you think you're going to go to the play pro ball yeah you don't play or you do play and then it's over and then it's like okay you know what's next for me i didn't make it and i was a little lost you know, I was right. I was like, I was like, okay, now what do I do? I was lucky I had a degree and I stayed. And I knew I, I love football. I loved it. So I stayed close to the game. I, one of my coaches in college told me when I was at Wisconsin said, if you stay close to football, you stay in the game, the game will take care of you, you know? And, and so I decided, I decided to get into coaching and you know the rest is history and and i i saw that you went into the personnel route and the scouting and all that and and uh i have a lot of admiration for that i mean that's tough work yeah evaluating yeah. And all that type of deal you know yeah you know the 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 one thing that i I'll, I'll add on to that is that you got some great advice you know stay in the game when you come to a place like yours or you know we've all been in successful programs and organizations it's getting your foot in the door yeah, it's getting your, you know, whether that's even, you know, in the uh, combine or or this camp or that camp yeah. or with that team, it's getting your foot in the door. Yeah. And the one thing you find right away too in the professional ranks, you better be good. <laughs> you you better be really good. Yeah. I mean, because getting your foot in the door is just part of it. You yeah. got to be good, and then you got to be able to handle all the other stuff that's going to go along with that, from yeah. you know, uh, financially, relatives, yeah. um, friends. We all say it all the time, you know, we all dream about uh, doing big things, but just be careful what you wish for. Make sure you're ready for it. Yeah, right? no doubt. It, yeah. There's, there's, there's just so much that goes into it. And like we talked a couple of days ago, man, life is tough. You yeah, know, life, it is. And it, it has a lot of ups and downs and turn right and left. And, you know, but you just got to keep I'll on you, going, bro. Yeah, you know, and I'll I'll, I'll jump in there. I, I was... Uh, you know, I was a McDonald's All-American. You know, they thought maybe I was the best player in high school coming out, which I wasn't. Derek Coleman was always better than all of us. <laughs> um, 
but but um, I dreamed that I would once I got to college, I thought, yeah, all right, I'll go play in the NBA. After that, I didn't have any aspirations, any real goals or dreams at all. My last three years of playing, I had seven orthopedic surgeries. Mm-hmm. I was hurt a lot. Yep. Um, and when I got back, had an emergency appendectomy with about 10 games left in my 12th year. Mm-hmm. And I got back and a doctor gave me something called OxyContin. Mm-hmm. And man, it's a, it's a painkiller. Yep. And sure. within, two, within two days, I knew I was in love. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I never played another basketball game. I still had like $13 million left on a contract. Mm-hmm. I never played another game. And for about 14 years, I, I, three rehabs. You know, I was arrested in 2014. Um, you know, I was living in my car for a while. You know, and I'd made, Coach, I'd made, I don't know, $40 million playing basketball. Sure. Divor- divorce and bad investments and gambling too much yeah. and just being a dummy. A lot of that being a dummy. Um, but the drug addiction really took me down a tough path. Mm. But about four or five years ago, I went to rehab. My, my college roommate, Paul Andrews, runs a place here in Kentucky. Mm. I came back here, here and for 30 days I was in there with them. And then I spent another three months out in, Cal- or in Houston, Texas with a guy named John Lucas, who yeah. uh, a lot of, a lot of your, your kids here, uh, young men should look up John Lucas and yep. John's story. Yep. Uh, Cause it's pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Not only was he, you know, he had a uh, addiction problem. He was, he was the number one pick in the draft, but he was also a two time NCAA tennis champ while he was at Maryland. I didn't know Wimbledon. that. Yes. He, I asked him once, I said, man, why'd you stop playing? He's because he, he, he played against Borg and McEnroe and Connors and all them. He said two things that I found fascinating. He said one was uh, that all those guys, I couldn't beat the really good guys because they, they had more reps than I did. I only played tennis three months out of the year. They played year round. Sure. And he said, so the reps, he said, and I also figured out that I liked saying we lost better than I lost. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I've never heard that before. That's right. That's good, right? That's a classic. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I went out. Yeah. I went out and spent some months with John. And then, look, I I lived on a a couple friends' couches for a couple years. Started slowly getting back into. to basketball and now I do NBA TV and I'm lucky to do our college stuff here for our, our guys and I speak some but life is weird and and life is really hard and I remember sitting in rehab my last time and I'll, I'll stop with all this this stuff but I was sitting in rehab and uh, Rick Pitino you know Rick mm-hmm. Rick came to see me and I love Rick we go way way back mm-hmm. and uh, um, he came to see me and he said man listen you're gonna help a lot of people at some point and and I said, I looked at him, I said, F you, man, this is not my story. And I'm crying and stuff yeah. like that. Guess what? It's my story. And it took, it took me some time because I look, if I'm a all American and this yeah. and that, you don't dream about how my thing has sure, gone. Sure. Um, but you, you're never as bad as your worst moment yeah. unless you don't learn, learn from it mm-hmm. and grow. So I, that's what I've tried to do. And I think that's, that's a valuable lesson for all of us, you know. What's it like, man, telling that story? I know you've helped. You told mm-hmm. the story. You've helped a lot of people, man. And and what's it like kind of giving back in that way and kind of sharing yourself and being vulnerable like that? 
Yeah, coach, you know, it, it's still, it's hard to say, you know, that I was arrested. Uh, it's, it's hard to say drug addict and stuff. Part of me, I still want to, I still want to tear up and cry a little mm. bit because I know how many people I let down. I know I let my, I've got four kids. They're 27, 25, 21, and 19. Mm. And for a lot of their lives, I wasn't, you know, I was functional and all that, right. but I wasn't very, very sharp. And so I'm trying to do things differently for me, but also for them. Um, it, the main thing, and I think you said it, the main thing, I think one of the main things with relationships and healthy relationships mm -hmm. is, is being able to be vulnerable. Yeah. We, and, and as young people, you know, we kind of taught not to, you know, let in coolness slip out and sure. this and that. Well, right. life is met. Life is messy. And if you can show people that, you know, that you are vulnerable and you're human, then I think they have a little bit better, you know, chance of, of maybe hanging on to something that you might say. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, man, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I followed you, man. And, and then next thing you know, I, uh, you know, I start, you know, I get more and more into Twitter, you know, especially <laughs> as I get, I, I, I was in the NFL coaching and I get back into college ball and then it's the recruiting piece and then it's yeah. the social media piece. And so now I'm on Twitter now and I look and I see this Rex Chapman and I'm like, oh, what's, what's going on with Rex? And I see this, <laughs> so one day I see blocker charge. Blocker like, charge. I see one, I'm like, whoa. That's crazy, so I, I know. And I, I know. see the next day, and the next day, and then I realize this is a thing. Like, yeah, how did that it's come so about, crazy. man? Like, how? Coach, it's so silly. I wanted off. I really, I wanted off of social media about a year and a half ago. The political climate, it was toxic. I just, I've got some pretty strong opinions on all of it. And it yeah. wasn't doing me. It wasn't doing me well mentally. Yeah. So I wanted off, and really and truly, one day I just saw a a school of dolphins that uh, on a video that were swimming into shore as a dude was paddle boarding out and a, one of the dolphins jumped up, hit him in the chest. And I said, that's a charge <laughs> and, and to myself. And I just tweeted it out. People thought it was funny and that's really it, but it's wow. just been kind of, kind of weird. You know, now I'll put some feel good stuff, some dog stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of grown and grown. It, it's all, it's all good. The good part about it is, it has so many media coaches, entertainers, athletes yeah. and stuff that follow it. Yeah. Um, you know, over the last couple of months, we raised 200 grand, $200,000 for COVID relief. Yeah. Tell us uh, about just that, from man. Just from generous people on Twitter. I yeah. just put out a thing saying I partnered my opioid foundation mm -hmm. with um, a longtime uh, uh, nonprofit here in town. And then we just raised money from all over, all over the country. People were generous um you know we we given money to new york new jersey a lot of the hot spots for ppe uh food banks first responders so that part of it's all great man all great i can't tell you how many people that i've that i've that i'm in contact with that say that they look forward to going to your account every single day to lift their spirits to feel better i mean that that's got to make you feel good i mean it I does mean, you're touching hundreds of thousands of people every day. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't I don't think I think about it too often like that cuz you know, look, we're all people. We all have good days and bad days. One of the things that my dad told me when I went off to college, he said, "Hey, listen, son, you're going to hate your coaches every now and then. Some days you're not going to want to see them. And you're not going to want to pick up that basketball." He said, "But keep doing the the right thing day after day after day." 
those days will be few and far between. Sure. So, sure. Um, you know, I, we're all trying to get through our days. We're all trying to do things. And sometimes we need each other to help pick us up and yeah. get us through our days. So that part about it with the Twitter makes me feel good. Yeah, you, you've done a fantastic, fantastic job with that. Do you, you've got some other stuff going on with you got Adult Swim and what else has yeah. kind of branched off of that for you? Quite a few things, but one, we I do a, a show on uh, Thursday nights mm -hmm. tonight live on Adult Swim, the app streaming, whatever your TV streaming services yeah. are. It's me and my childhood buddy. Uh, we we known each other since kindergarten, grew, grew up together, went high school together, college, all that stuff. And we just sit and talk about, we just talk for 30 minutes mm -hmm. while people are running into each other and, and hurting <laughs> themselves. That's it. But uh, yeah. That's all, man. And uh, yeah, shoot, I can't wait for sports to get back. I, I know, know you can't. I know. I know. I, hey, and look, I, well, we should talk another time. I, I'm fascinated by football players, basketball. They're not wind-up toys. Yeah. You don't just, yeah. And this stuff, you haven't been able to train like you're supposed to be training or would, would be training if you're all under the. So I'm, I'm anxious to see how this is going to play out yeah. coming back. You know, I, I'm. I've got my fingers crossed for, you know, very few injuries yeah, and, yeah. and all of that stuff, but it's going to be dicey. So I, I, and man, I can't wait. You let me know when, uh, when you want me to come, I'll talk to your, I'd love to come talk to your team in person. Yeah, we, we, I, I certainly want to do that, man. I want to have you up. We'll host. You can talk to the squad, man. I, they, they will love that. They all know who you are, bro. I'm sure they do. Oh, that's crazy. And, uh, that's crazy. It, 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 it'd be awesome, man. You know, I saw you, I think it might have been a week ago. I think I saw you on the, on some type of cable news. And, and uh, it was about, you talked about the George Floyd deal. And, yeah. and uh, you kind of spoke up. I saw you got kind of emotional. And I saw it. I got kind of emotional. I, I kind of felt, yeah. felt your passion, man. Kind of what um, what was it inside of you that, that you know, anytime you, you speak up, you speak out, mm -hmm. you know, you don't know where it's going to go. You know what I mean? But what yeah. was it that, that where you say, you know what, I got, I feel like I got to say something. You know, I, from a time I was little, uh, you know, I grew up, I grew up kind of in the suburbs, but I also grew up with my friends down in the project. Yeah. And so I had a little bit of a different view uh, of race than maybe a lot of people in the South. And then I played basketball and and all that. But from a very young age, I I was I was racially intrigued. I I knew what privilege was. I got it. I got I got to see it. You know, I took I don't know that I've even told this. I took five college visits. I was going to Kentucky or Louisville and maybe Carolina. I wasn't even gonna go visit somewhere else, but a friend of mine uh, went to Georgia Tech and he, he said, will you come for a visit? And I said, no. And th then he said, well, what would it take? And I said, well, they just, they just built the MLK facility in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And if your coaches will take me to see it, then I'll come on the visit. So I went and it was my best visit. They let me hang around there for a couple of hours. It, it meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've spoken out subtly over the years mm -hmm. about things that I see racially that I just can't tolerate. And uh, when George Floyd was was murdered, you know, Stevie Jackson is one of his boys. Mm -hmm. And Stevie Stevie was my my rookie. 
he was a little rookie mm-hmm. uh, in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about family, that's what I talk about. Yeah, man. that's my family. Yeah, I play basketball with you. If I, you know, if I love you like that, yeah. you're my family. Yeah. And uh, you know, I started seeing some BS, you know, uh, in the in the media and just a real. I I felt a real lack of leadership. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just not up for for. Uh, biting my tongue too much anymore when it comes to you know racial inequality because uh look we're all we're all here trying to get by just like everybody else right. and if we can't under if we can't understand it some of us have had a different road mm-hmm. and 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 we'll be honest an easier road than others then if we can't recognize that then we got big problems yeah well man i, I admire you for that and uh, i got a lot of respect for you man and, and thanks man. uh i appreciate you i'm just trying to help I don't know what I got the I get the luxury for reals. I get the luxury of learning about racism. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't have that luxury, and uh, that's bothered me my whole life. Well, all we can do is keep on keeping on and communicate, right. educate, provide resources, man, and and keep working to to make it better. You know, and I'm with you. You know, day in and day out, and we'll get there, man. Especially with guys like you, and and uh, you know, we'll get it done, man. In closing, man, I'm gonna let you get out of here. I just wanted to. Just wanted to ask you if, if there was one word that you could give the world right now. I do a word of the week on Wednesday usually. Okay. And if there was one word that you that you could give the world tonight, what, what would it be, you think? It would be humility, mm-hmm. I think. And when I say that, being humble about the things that you don't know. Yeah. I can sit here as a white basketball player and think that I know that I'm woke. And all, it's not about that. I can never, I can never know what it's like. All I can do is continue to try to learn and be an ally for my friends and my family who I, uh, black and white, who have made me what I am and helped make me what I am. So it's just be humble about the things you don't know and continue to try to learn, continue to try to learn every day. Learn. I'm glad you do this word. But really, I am. My mom, she was much the same way. Mm-hmm. She'd be like, she told me at a young age, find a word you don't know every day mm-hmm. at school. Yeah. Go to the library, mm-hmm. see what it is, figure it out. Because language and learning how to do some of this stuff, yeah. it's going to help you later on with interviews and all that stuff. Yeah. So good good on you, Coach. Well, I appreciate you, man. And, and uh, we'll end on that, man. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Let's stay in touch. You see my guy, Absolutely. You see my guy Vince down there in Kentucky. Tell him I said, "What's up?" <laughs> I will, I will, and I. But I, I won't. I'll be like he. He doesn't really like you like that. I gotta have Vince staying here. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. You guys take, right, take care. I'll take care, man. Thanks. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in and joining Rex and I. Remember to be safe out there. If you like this podcast, make sure you share, review, and rate it, and never forget, go green. Thanks for listening to Tucker Talks. Like this podcast? Don't forget to share it, subscribe to it, and follow Coach Tucker on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Coach underscore M. Tucker. And remember, when it comes to your dreams, only labels have limits. What you can accomplish is limitless when you're relentless. Relentless.